It's Tuesday, July 16th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, and I am joined by Motley Fool analysts Emily Flippin and Ron Gross. How are we doing? How you doing? Doing well. I'm doing good. I'm feeling rested. Had a little vacay. Oh, you did have a little vacay. A little vacay, that's short for vacation. <laughs> If you're, for not, those if you're playing not, along at home, for those playing along at home, <laughs> that's the way I roll. That's the way I roll. Um, we've got. But you even did a podcast on vacation. There's no rest for I the weary. I didn't do a podcast. I did two podcasts. That's impressive. I did them from this little cottage, and and the whole idea was it's going to be the foot of the Flatirons in Boulder, Colorado, which it was, but it was actually in a cottage, and so I think some of the effect was lost. I actually unplugged the fridge, and wow. I turned off the AC. I was channeling You're our very pro. own Steve Broido. Yeah. I was a pro until the second podcast, I actually forgot to hit stop. And Tim <laughs> so Byers, your whole vacation is <laughs> Tim Byers was Tim was about to go back to Denver, and I said, "Let me just make sure I got this." And in fact, I did not got this, and we had to re-record the whole second podcast. Oh, so there no. you go. There's a little inside tip. You, what, hit stop. All right, I don't, you can hit stop and still get the whole thing. You would be a problem if you didn't hit record. No, I hit record, and then I was so excited <laughs> that we had successfully completed the second podcast, and I also knew Tim needed to get back to Denver, so I just grabbed the SD card. I just ripped it out of the recorder mm. after hitting uh, pause. Pause is not the same as stop. So we had to re-record it's a lesson it. for the kids at home. But no one knows that. No one knows that unless I, you know, confess to it. So there you go. All right. Very okay. good. Okay. So lots to talk about here. We're going to talk some Wells Fargo in a bit. You know, they had that whole kerfuffle a few years everyone, ago. Everyone they, just turned off their radios no, no, no. and clicked well, off their computers. Well, well, okay, maybe maybe Wells Fargo <laughs> doesn't get your attention, but what if fabricated accounts? What if I said Ooh. Yeah. Okay, so they did they had that whole kerfuffle a few years ago. We're gonna see how the stock's doing today. We're also gonna talk Blue Apron and Beyond Meat. Blue Apron not doing so well, but Beyond Meat has been red hot, and they are hooking up, and we'll see if that matters. But let's begin with Domino's Pizza. A rough day for Domino's. Shares down around 7% at the time of our taping. Disappointing earnings and concerns over Domino's expansion strategy. Now, Emily, the stock has not done much over the past year, but we were talking before the show. You pulled the numbers, and it is an absolute monster over the last 10 years. Shares up more than 3,500%. What do you make of Domino's today? Yeah, Domino's new strategy of fortressing is seeming maybe more like abandoning to some of their franchises. That's because their new strategy since last year has been to build as many Domino's as they can to be the only game in town. And it's really seemed, at least this quarter, to cannibalize a lot of their sales. But regardless, like you mentioned, Domino's has actually been a beast of an outperformer since its lows in 2009. So it'll be interesting to see if, given a little bit more time, if this fortressing strategy starts to play off. My speculation is that while I do think that it'll take time for consumers to change the way that they consume food, right? So you're very accustomed to going to a handful of apps instead of going direct to the store that you want to buy from. So Domino's, as they begin to roll out more stores, it'll take some time for consumers to start realizing, hey, there's a Domino's down the block now, right? They can get to my house in 10 minutes now with a pizza. But at the same time, we're now accustomed to having a lot of food choices. You know, pizza and Chinese food are not the only things that can get delivered anymore. Says you. Says me. <laughs> <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see if that actually starts to to hurt Domino's or if this strategy of fortressing starts to pay off. Okay, so just to clarify though, fortressing is just a fancy term for we're expanding. Is that it essentially? Well, expanding in areas where they already have presence is That's the so idea pretentious of though. I really hate that word. I mean, can, can I hate that word? You can hate that word. You can hate that. That's fair. Oh, that's 
just awful. I mean, just just say that. Say we're going to expand. We're going to grow well, in then, areas where we already well, have a going to be like Starbucks. Then analysts come out and they said, well, you're don't, cannibalizing. I mean, don't go right. medieval on me. They're like, is that like a Game of Thrones play? <laughs> Ron Gross. I, yes. One of our analysts um, around 10 years ago or so, I forget his name, but he was really <laughs> bullish on Domino's when it was around five bucks a share or so. Yeah. And had I listened to this person, I would be a rich man. We would probably not be here. I would not be here. That analyst was. Yes, that was me. I don't, I don't like to take victory laps because then I have to apologize for all the ones I get wrong. So let's just say it was fortuitous, um, and I did actually purchase it back then. Um, but as a value investor typically does, I sold it much too soon. I did just fine, but I didn't do whatever the whatever you just quoted as the percentage. I didn't. I didn't realize those games. Thirty-five hundred, but who's counting? But yeah, it, it's done really well, and you know, you go back to them revamping the menu and, and all everything from really the, the sauce to the to the cheese and and adding to the menu, and they've done a great job. And now with technology, they continue to do a good good job. Um, longtime leader uh, Patrick Doyle retired last year. Um, he he really did a super job. I think what investors are reacting to today and lately is the fact that they. Couldn't possibly keep the growth up that they had had you know been posting over the last years. Really, even this quarter they had the 33rd consecutive same store sales increase in the U.S. Very impressive, but it was only three percent. Where I think people were looking for more like four or five percent. But it's very difficult to keep putting up numbers like that time and time again. And you know, investors get a little um, you know. Unhappy, for lack of a better word, and sell off the stock. And Ron, you mentioned the technology. Hot off the presses, Domino's will launch GPS tracking for delivery orders by the end of 2019. So, what that means is I will know exactly where my pizza is as it's being delivered. Is that a good thing? I don't think it's a bad thing. We see this kind of already with Uber Eats. So, in a way, it's reactive. But at the same time, if you don't think Papa John's and all the other third party apps are now going to start copying this, you're probably thoroughly mistaken. Yeah. And yeah. I think, quite frankly, although a lot of these pizzas, delivery type pizzas, are the same to me, Domino's should be careful about resting on their laurels. The other folks are coming after them and they're not going to roll over, whether it's Pizza Hut with their $5 menu along with beer delivery, or even more potentially troublesome is Starboard Value's interest in Papa John's and helping them recover. Don't sleep on, on Starboard. They know what they're doing and, and they're going to do everything they can to make sure that their investment turns out the way they want it to. And also troubling for me, back to this GPS tracking thing. I don't want to know if my pizza makes a wrong turn, and I'm going to find that very anxiety-inducing because I'm going to watch it just like you like watch Uber or Lyft. You see where the car is, and if the pizza takes a wrong turn, what do I do with that information? Scream. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I think ignorance is bliss. I think they're going too far. I don't mind if the franchisees have that GPS, but I don't need to know that. I was hanging out with a buddy the other night. Let's say maybe there was alcohol involved. And, <laughs> and he calls Domino's and he says, What is the largest pizza you have? They're like, Well, we have an extra large serve. I'll take that. It'll be to you in less than 30 minutes. My buddy was the happiest I've ever seen him in the world. So while, Target demographic while I always Domino's. say this isn't the best pizza on earth, it is awfully convenient when you need it. Okay, well, let's move on to Wells Fargo reporting better than expected earnings thanks to growth in its check. And consumer lending business, but net interest income was down, and Ron shares of Wells Fargo down slightly today. 
Yeah, I think that's a story you're seeing across the board in terms of interest income um, and the current interest rate environment we're living through. Whether it's J.P. Morgan cutting its forecast for 2019 net income, uh, net interest income, or Goldman Sachs uh, struggling there too. But overall, these banks are reporting better than reported results. I think the ones that are focused on the consumer are doing better. Like you said, Wells Fargo, checking in consumer lending business grew nicely. Um, interest income remains kind of the albatross uh, around the necks of some of these banks. And it's going to be like that for the time being until the interest rate environment changes once again. And um, we should mention that back in 2016, you may remember Wells Fargo got into a wee bit of trouble. For, a kerfuffle? A kerfuffle. For, I love that word. For <laughs> fake accounts, fabricated accounts. They eventually acknowledged that there could be as many as three and a half million fake accounts. Now, they fired some employees. Um, but are they out of the woods there, Ron, in terms of that? Because I think trust and goodwill, very valuable things. There's a great quote by Under Armour CEO Kevin Plank. He says, trust is built in drops and lost in buckets. Yeah, I, I do think it still remains a problem. Um, however, their internal customer satisfaction surveys showed satisfaction scores rising to multi-year highs. So, if you believe their own internal surveying, Perhaps things are firming up a bit. Uh, it would be nice to see a CEO in place. Um, obviously, they're having trouble attracting someone of a caliber that is is worthy of running a multi-billion-dollar bank. Um, they have an interim CEO in place right now, but that's that's not going to do it. They need to get someone at the helm and and continue to make progress to bring that trust back. Without that trust, there is no business. And we should add that Warren Buffett still has around a nine percent, or Berkshire has a nine percent stake in Wells. But they've been selling it off slowly, very slowly. I mean, if you look at a chart, it's almost imperceptible. Um, the, the the bar graph to from quarter to quarter, but it is slightly down. I don't see them getting rid of the full stake. In fact, it would take forever to do so. Um, I think Buffett still wants to believe. Um, obviously, the trust thing is probably paramount on his mind. He probably would at least try to pull the plug on a fair amount of stock. If um, if he if he lost trust completely, um, it would be nice to see him get involved to get a CEO um, that is respected um, in there to, to to continue the momentum. But we'll see what happens. And here's something that we don't say every day: shares of Blue Apron up more than twenty percent. In fact, we don't say that most days, Emily. Shares of Blue Apron up on news that Blue Apron is adding Beyond Meat to its meal kits next month. Now, Blue Apron is a meal delivery company, and well, it hasn't exactly delivered on Wall Street. In June, they had a 1-for-15 reverse stock split. For those of you scoring at home, that is typically not a good sign. On the other hand, Emily, Beyond Meat up more than 700% since its IPO in May. So, the question here, can Beyond Meat save Blue Apron? Heck, if they drag even 1% of what they've done over the past month for Blue Apron, maybe this is their saving grace, but I'm not putting my money on it. Uh, Blue Apron, for a long time now, has been trying to convince people to change the way that they eat, to change the way that they consume food and drive growth their way in a, a very competitive environment. And taking on Beyond Meat's probably going to temporarily help their stock, simply because the fake meat craze is so much of a craze right now. But I think long term, ultimately, I mean, look, if you're a consumer, the same way you can go to a grocery store and buy 
produce that you would make a Blue Apron meal with, you can go to a, the meat section of your grocery store and buy a Beyond Meat burger. So, it, the people who are interested have already probably gained exposure. And I'm not sure if people who have dedicated their lives to alternative meats are going to subscribe to a meal kit service solely for the purpose of getting the occasional Beyond Meat burger. Alternative meats. It's like <laughs> it's like alternative facts. It's like it just does, it doesn't sit right with me. Listen, uh, I think it makes perfect sense to include meat alternatives um, in these these f- food services. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. Perfectly good idea. Certainly won't save Blue Apron. It won't be enough to to turn that business. So what what is the problem at its core? What is the problem with Blue Apron? Is it a bad idea? Is it bad execution? Is it both? What what's the problem? I don't think it's a bad idea or bad execution. It's just to not be a publicly traded company. It was never going to be a large enough, demand enough company to justify having a high valuation, right? That would be listed on a stock market. So I think they played into the craze themselves. And when push came to shove, ultimately, you know, it's a small subset of the population that are going to subscribe to something like this. And they challenge themselves by having uh, and delivering stuff that is, you know, has an expiration date on it. So it's hard to manage inventory. It's hard to attract and retain customers. It's overall an expensive, low growth business. And I think there still are too many of these home delivery services out there. The market will take care of that, believe me. Um, so we'll see either consolidation or some of them going out of business. So maybe the survivor will make a go of it, and there'll be enough business for one, perhaps two um, of these types of companies. But there, there remains too many of them. Now I know both of you like to cook. Have either of you used Blue Apron or any meal delivery service? I have not because I actually like the act of going shopping and picking the produce and picking the protein. Um, so it, it's not something for me, but I certainly understand how it could be for others. Yeah, I was actually gifted a subscription uh, this Christmas, this past Christmas. I don't think it was a Blue Apron. I can't quite remember which service it was. Uh, it was good food. <laughs> their, their marketing dollars uh, yeah. hard at work. <laughs> not a great sign. It was good food. I enjoyed the experience. Um, and then when push came to shove, I was never really going to probably spend my own money to stay. Subscribe to it. We did Blue Apron for you know three or four months, and and a couple of things. The meals were fantastic when you had time, and and it didn't take that much time, but it took you know 30, 45 minutes or so. But the other thing that struck me that I wasn't prepared for was the packaging. There was so much packaging that after a while, I'm like, you know what? I just don't want all this stuff. And it's not cheap, the packaging. No, either. Right. no. And then and then and then you're in that situation, Ron. Unlike you, I don't really like picking out produce. I mean, I'm not I'm not great <laughs> I don't at it. Blame you at all. I, I forget. Like I know you're supposed to like. Aren't you supposed to like thump melons? But I don't know what <laughs> sure. you're supposed to listen for. So I'm not sure. But. But at the end of the day, if I'm going to spend that much time, even if it's 30 or 45 minutes, I'd just soon just order takeout. So I feel like they're competing with all of these, you know, yeah. Grubhub and all these other Door services Dash, as well. All of them. Yeah, so that's tough. Okay, so as we wrap up here, it is summer. How about one cooking, grilling, baking tip? Ron Gross. Don't be afraid of uh, some good baby back ribs. Low and slow in the oven with some dry rub. Let them fall off the bone for a long period of time. Then throw them on the grill at the end. Baste them with some good barbecue sauce. Let them get good and crusty. Delicious. So, how long am I looking at? Is that a hours. whole day? Well, hours. Two, two to three hours. Okay, Emily, what do you got? You know, treat yourself this summer. Add a little bit of butter. I made hash browns the other day, okay. and I normally just use a little bit of oil. It was like you know, go-to snack. I cooked them with butter this time, and wow. that's very basic. It's very basic, it's delicious. but it was mind-blowing. 
It was diner style hash browns, and the trick is absurd amounts of butter. <laughs> okay, I, I I love that idea, but I get a little thrown by butter specifically. And we're we're talking about this um, before the show because these are the things we talk about. The nonstick grill throws me off. If I'm cooking eggs or if I'm doing something on a nonstick grill, do I need to put butter in it? Before I cook anything, you mean a nonstick pan? Nonstick pan. I'm sorry. See, I don't even know the terms. Yeah, nonstick pan. I've got my nonstick pan. I'm ready to go. I'm going to make, you know, eggs or grilled cheese or something. Do I have to put butter in there? Well, do you want to enjoy your meal? I mean, <laughs> you don't have to put butter okay. in anything, right? The nonstick pan was designed on the process of telling people it's easier, it's you know less calorie dense to cook without butter. But you know what? Those hash browns were cooked on a nonstick pan okay. and a lot of butter. So pro butter. Pro yeah, butter. but you are correct. If the pan is a true nonstick pan and, and it's and it's a good one, you you don't need the butter from from a, a nonstick perspective. You need it from a flavor perspective. Okay, good. See, these are the things you don't get on Bloomberg. Okay, <laughs> as we wrap up the desert island question, you're on a desert island for the next five years, and you have to buy one of these stocks: Domino's, Wells Fargo, Blue Apron, or Beyond Meat. Ooh, it ain't Wells Fargo, it ain't Blue Apron. Yeah, huh? Oh, this is easy. For really? Me. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I, you go uh, first. Yeah. Okay. I'll cut you off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Domino's to me has a lot of optionality still left in it, but I think when push comes to shove, I'm still not ordering pizza as much as I did in the past because I have too many options now. So I'm going with Beyond Meat because it plays in well into those too many options. What if I told you that Domino's was fortressing? <laughs> Oh, that, that wouldn't everything. make me slightly more <laughs> bullish. Um, I will have to agree with Emily. I think, look forward 10 or 20 years, the meat industry as we know it will be significantly different beyond meat. Full seems, of alternatives? Yes, full of alternative meats. <laughs> and it seems like Beyond Meat has a nice little uh, foothold so far in that, in that industry. So I would go with them as well. Okay. Well, as always, if you have questions or comments, marketfoolery at fool.com is our email. Marketfoolery at fool.com. As always, people on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Ron Gross, Emily Flippin, thanks for joining me. Thanks Thank for having you, us. Mac. Always a pleasure. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Mac Greer. Thanks for listening, and we will see you tomorrow.